Welcome back to Brojo Online. Dan Munro here. Today we're going to be talking about why I make such a big deal about confidence. In my mind, low self-confidence is the enemy. It's the only one we ever really need to be fighting. It's the night king. It's death. It's everything you've ever been afraid of. Today I want to talk about why you need to fight that enemy and how to fight it. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. When it comes to finding a purpose in life, a lot of people are looking for something that inspires them or something that they're passionate about. But I think you need to be looking for something to fight, something that upsets you, something that you're angry about, offended by in some way. But it needs to be something meaningful as well. It can't just be, you know, somebody using swear words on a TV program. It has to be something with some depth to it. And that's that train of thought is what led me over many years to discover that my true purpose is actually about being in a war. I'm a soldier and the enemy is low self-confidence. I fight it every day, all the time. And it's that fight that gives my life meaning. I feel like I'm fighting for a worthwhile cause to make myself and other people more confident to overcome this enemy. And today I want to talk a bit about why that's my purpose and why I think if you can't think of a better purpose, that one should be kind of your default. Or it should be at least a secondary mission that you're on alongside whatever your primary mission is. Now, just because I've made it my primary mission doesn't mean I think that that's what's best for everybody. But ultimately, what I'm hoping to do today is help you understand that low self-confidence is really the only problem we humans have. And every other problem is a consequence of that initial causal problem of low self-confidence. So if we're going to solve the problems of the world and the problems in our own inner world, we might as well cut straight to the chase and go to the source of all of them. Now what is low self-confidence? This is a pretty debatable topic. I've already done an entire podcast on what is confidence, and I think that probably covers it. But just to refresh, I mean, today I want to focus on what low self-confidence is. Long story short, it's seeing yourself in a negative light. It's seeing yourself as someone who you're not impressed by. Someone who you do not believe is valuable. Someone who you'd rather not be. And that's in a general sense, but low self-confidence can also come up in specific instances. Like you might have a general sense of being okay with yourself, but in certain situations that sensation is replaced by shame and guilt and self-loathing. For example, when you get rejected by somebody, maybe your day was going just fine until that happened. Low self-confidence is ultimately a view of yourself as being lesser value, usually in comparison to others, or just low value as some sort of objective consideration, even without comparison to others. And it leads you to behave in a certain way that aligns with that belief. So you treat yourself as someone who's not valuable, not worthy, not respectable. You don't treat yourself well. You don't back yourself. You don't encourage yourself. And you do the opposite. You discourage yourself. You back down. You procrastinate on important things. You avoid being self-aware or you just lack self-awareness. You tolerate poor treatment from others. The way you act essentially says, I'm not worthy of good treatment. I'm not worthy of support and love. I'm not worthy of encouragement and respect. I'm not worthy of going for what I want. Your behavior kind of says it all. Maybe you keep yourself in a crappy job or a crappy relationship. Maybe you eat in such a way that hurts your body. There's all sorts of warning signs that you don't view yourself very highly because even if your thoughts say, I'm confident, your behavior tells the truth. If your behavior is either self-destructive or at the very least 
not supportive, unsupportive, I guess is the word, then you probably have low self-confidence. Look at the way you treat yourself and then ask yourself, if I treated somebody else that way, what would it say about how I felt about them? If the way you treat yourself is something you'd be shocked to see a parent doing to their own child, then you probably got low self-confidence. Now, what I want to talk about is in more detail how low self-confidence causes the major problems in your own life and in the greater world around you. I want to kind of, I guess, prove or argue for the claim that low self-confidence is the one true enemy the ring that rules them all. Let's look at it at first as being the cause of your destructive behavior. Now what I'm probably going to do a lot of in this podcast is make factual claims but not have any memory of scientific sources. What I'll try to do when the podcast is finished is cite some of the research and studies that back up what I'm saying. But what I'd like to kind of Uh, disclosure statement before I get started is even if I can't find the scientific backing for what I'm saying this is coming from my own personal experience and working with hundreds of clients so at the very least it's anecdotal and case study evidence behind this okay but I don't want to get bogged down in the science of this I just want to kind of argue a rational point So let's start with looking at how low confidence is the cause of destructive behavior. So what do we mean by destructive behavior? Well, anything that upsets well-being, anything that causes harm. Let's start with, say, eating disorders. Find me a single person with an eating disorder who has high self-confidence. You won't be able to do it. And there's a reason for that. It's because you cannot have an eating disorder without low self-confidence. It is the baseline cause of it. To believe that you, in a phys- it's a kind of a physical manifestation of self-hatred. You say, I look too fat, for example, or if you, maybe if you're a guy, I'm too small. What you're saying is, I'm not good enough, and it's manifested physically. You can even see this, like, uh, I've known a few bodybuilders and kind of fitness enthusiasts they're never strong enough or cut enough or fit enough to satisfy themselves. You know, no matter how good their body gets or how much better it was than the past, they still think it's too small or too weak or too flabby. And they have that kind of body dysmorphia thing going. So whether it's eating disorders or what you might call training disorders, people treating their bodies very badly through nutrition and exercise is absolutely a symptom of low self-confidence. There's not only are you saying I'm not good enough as I am and must be changed to suit, you know, to, to be of value. You're also actually punishing yourself in the moment with pain, the pain of hunger, the pain of injuries from training. You know, I've known a few anorexic people and they like have bruises on their spine from doing sit-ups on the t- all the time, you know, with no muscle to like protect them. There's a kind of self-harm in eating disorders. Even binging, you know, people who binge and purge or the people who just binge. It's actually, I don't know if you've ever eaten until you're stuffed full, but it hurts. And as does vomiting. So there's actual self-harm element. You can't tell me that self-harm comes from a place of high self-confidence. The opposite also being true. You won't find someone with high self-confidence who has an eating disorder. Right? So that must be the root causal factor. If 100% of eating disorder people have low self-confidence, so if 100% of people with eating disorders have low self-confidence, you can't say it's a correlation. There must be a cause and effect relationship there, especially if increasing their confidence cures the eating disorder. In my experience, that's exactly how you cure an eating disorder. It's not about food. It's not about the way their body looks. It's about the psychology and the philosophy of how they view themselves. Violence. I've worked with violent criminal offenders uh, for a huge portion of my career. And this was actually where I first started developing the hypothesis that low self-confidence is the cause of all problems. I was surprised to discover that nearly every single criminal offender I worked with had severe confidence issues. They had major self loathing issues 
I was really expecting to see the opposite, and I think a lot of people believe that the opposite is true. They see a movie like Ocean's Eleven, and they think that criminals are all these sort of confident, suave, charismatic people, or that they're ruthless psychopaths who don't care about anything. But the truth is, a large majority of them are just really psychologically broken people. They're people who have been abused, they're people who have been neglected, they're people who have been shunned by society, they're people with drug addictions, nearly all of them have some form of drug addiction. These are severely unconfident people. And violence and other crime that um, you can link to their, their psychological problems is clearly harmful. There's nobody who walks around smashing people for no reason who has high self-confidence. See, let's say if we say, well, what what would violence and high self-confident person look like? That would be like the top-level black belt of martial arts or a professional MMA fighter. Yes, you can have violence and be confident. Absolutely, I believe that. But you can also see it like, uh, who's that? Uh, who's that guy? Conor McGregor. Now he's the kind of he's the classic kind of example of someone that people b- believe is confident because of his cockiness and his swagger. But there was that incident where he was riled up, and this was outside of the ring. And he took like a chair to a bus full of people or something. Uh, I only saw a brief footage, but it was clearly a sign of somebody who's lost control of their temper. Confident people don't lose control of their temper in that way. So a confident martial artist will stop hitting you the minute the fight's won, and they won't hit you outside of the ring. You know, the best martial artists, you know, they always recommend that you run away rather than fight, because they have no ego left. So you can be violent and confident, but it's a controlled violence. It's a violence where everybody in the game is signed up to the rules, and they understand the consequences. And it's never used to harm it's used usually to either prevent harm or to compete in some sort of agreed upon way so any time that violence is used beyond that scope it's because of an uncontrolled rage inside the person or it's instrumental violence so psychopaths will use violence just to hurt people and they feel nothing at the time but again it's because they're needy they're trying to get an outcome and they'll use violence to get that outcome they'd rather use violence than Uh, lose the outcome and an inability to let go of outcomes is another sign of low self-confidence self-sabotage i mean that's an obvious destructive behavior think of your own life how many times you fucked it up and nobody else was even involved how many times you wrecked your own opportunities the time you got real drunk the night before the big job interview or you know the time you sat on the couch and smoked heaps of weed and ate heaps of chocolate even though you had health and fitness goals you know, or how you just show up late to work until you kind of lose out on that promotion. And there's so many ways where you just do this pattern, if you can just take a big enough picture. You know, if you step back with a bit of a cosmic perspective, you can see that most of the failures in your life were actually determined by you. You made them happen. You know, you tell yourself that you were trying your best and you failed, but actually you set yourself up to fail. Most of the time, it's very rare for someone to fail at their goal without meaning to. Very rare, though people are often completely lacking in self-awareness about this. Somebody tries and fails and they think, oh, you know, I'm just not good enough. So no, no, you set this up. Look at anyone who tried to start a business and failed, and you'll find heaps of time spent procrastinating, heaps of avoidance of uncomfortable activities that are needed for the business, poor management of money, poor treatment of clients, there'll be a deliberate, conscious pattern of behaviors that they knew didn't help, and they did them anyway. Now, why would somebody harm themselves knowingly? Well, because they don't see themselves as someone who's worth treating well. They don't see themselves as someone worth putting the effort in for. If you think you're doomed to fail, then you have low self-confidence. If you treat yourself as someone who's doomed to fail, then you have low self-confidence. Ironically, overconfidence is actually a sign of low self-confidence. Arrogance means you're comparing to other people. Confident people don't do that. And overconfidence, you know, starting a business without getting any training and just thinking it's all going to work out, that's kind of an avoidance of looking at yourself honestly. 
Confident people look at themselves honestly. Scared people don't. Scared people just hope everything's going to work out. Scared people avoid criticism and feedback, or they overdo criticism and feedback. A confident person gets accurate criticism and feedback. You look at any destructive behavior, anything where people hurt themselves or hurt others, and you'll struggle to find a case where that person was experiencing high self-confidence at that time. It's almost too obvious to even bother talking about that when people do harmful shit, it's because they have a low view of themselves and they're taking it out on themselves or the others. Low self-confidence is also the cause of needy behavior. See, one of the hallmarks of confidence is an absence of neediness. When you believe that you are enough on your own and nobody else has anything that you're lacking, But when you are needy, it'll manifest in certain behaviors where you'll tolerate poor treatment from others, you'll eat shit from them, you'll chase people rather than letting them put in 50% of the effort, you know, you overdo it, you overshare, you do these things where you're trying to get and keep people, or get and keep outcomes and things. Confident people don't try like that. They just be themselves and let the consequences be whatever they're going to be. They don't try to get anything. As soon as you're trying, that's automatically a sign that you have low self-confidence. All needy behavior is demonstrative of low self-confidence. Even a confident person who's run out of money and food still isn't going to chase. They're not going to beg and they're not going to tolerate poor treatment from others to meet their needs. They'll just go and honestly ask or earn what they're going for. But they won't chase it. They won't tolerate poor behavior from other people. They won't do more than their effort. You know, they won't overshare or overinvest. So if you're ever putting in more, if you're a people pleaser or a nice guy, or you're doing all the work or chasing and doing most of the work or tolerating bad treatment from others, that's definitely a sign of low self-confidence. Because you'll never see someone with high self-confidence do any of that stuff. And because they don't, they end up living a life where they wouldn't need to do any of that stuff anyway. You'll find that high self-confidence people get their needs met very easily and very effortlessly. And there's something in that. Low self-confidence is the cause of all relationship problems and connection issues. Undersharing. You know, holding information back because you don't want to be judged or you don't want to be rejected. Would you do that if you had high self-confidence? Nah, let them hate you. A confident person doesn't really care what you think and they'll let you judge. They'll let you have whatever information you need to make your judgment. An insecure person hides key information in order to avoid being judged negatively. This is called undersharing. It's almost impossible to connect with somebody who's undersharing. There's nothing to connect with. They're just a mask. They're facetious. They're wafer thin. There's nothing deep or meaningful to connect with. Blaming. Only victims blame. Only victims go, whose fault is this? Who's, who can I point the finger at here? Is it my partner? Is it my friends? Is it my family? Whose fault is it that I am not experiencing joy right now? Confident people don't view things like that. There is no blame in the confident world. You know, the confident person just goes, well... I'm not enjoying this particular moment. What should I do about it? There's no why am I not enjoying this or who did this to me. It's just what should I do about it? Total responsibility. If you're looking to say whose fault is this in any situation in your life, but particularly in relationships, when something's going wrong in your relationship or just inside you and you're trying to point the finger at your partner or your parents or your childhood or whatever the fuck, it means you have low self-confidence. Highly confident people don't do that. What you've got to see is that this low self-confidence is the cause of you doing that. You're trying to find a, a reason for why you suck, essentially. Why your life sucks, why you're in pain at this moment. Because the reason will give you a sense of validation, like, yes, I am the poor victim. Yes, life is unfair on me, more unfair than it is on other people. I am a low-worth person who has been unfairly targeted by the universe for poor treatment. It's a nice little narrative that says, hey, I don't have to take responsibility for shit. I don't have to be confident. I've got no shots, so why bother? 
manipulation. You know, I've just been rewatching the Friends series with my partner. It was quite a horrible show in one sense because of how badly they treat each other. They're just constantly manipulating and conniving, lying to each other. And it's a caricature, but it's a pretty good demonstration of how a lot of friendships and relationships work around the world. People use all sorts of manipulation techniques on their loved ones to try and get their needs met, rather than being direct and honest and willing to get rejected or miss out on an outcome. A confident person would never deliberately manipulate the people they love. In fact, they try to protect them from manipulation. Now, a smart, confident person also knows that it's impossible to be completely unmanipulative. It's just human nature, so they call it out. They'll say, I'm trying to manipulate you right now, just in case, to allow the other person a chance to avoid being manipulated. Taking things personally. Taking things personally has got to be one of the most low self-confident things a person can do, and one of the most inaccurate and bizarre things a person can do. You think of all the variables that go into somebody else's behavior. Their whole life has led up to this moment where they decide something. And then you say it's all about you? How arrogant is that? It's ridiculous. You know, I remember once I I went up to a girl in a bar and I guess I was hitting on her. And she rejected me and I took it really personally. And then someone said, well, she's a lesbian. And this light bulb went off in my head, which is her rejection had nothing to do with me. There's nothing I could have said or done that she wouldn't have rejected. I could have looked like Brad Pitt. She wouldn't have given a fuck. She's never going to be into a guy. How can I take that personally? How can I say that's because of me? And then I started thinking, well, how can I take anything personally ever? Because it's always another reason. It's always because of who they are and what their preferences are and how they feel about things and their mood and the moment and everything else. Even if I come up and I'm super creepy or weird or desperate with somebody, their rejection still has nothing to do with me personally. If my partner's really grumpy and stroppy, that's still got nothing to do with me, even if it was set off by me failing to do the dishes. Me not doing the dishes isn't the reason why my partner is struggling to control her emotions. That struggle has been something she's carried with her her whole life. How can I take responsibility for that? How can I say that's because of me, when it's her brain that does it? And the same goes both ways. You can't say somebody else upset you. No, your brain decided to be upset. You can't blame that on someone else. They don't have probes inside your head sending electrical signals and controlling the chemicals in your body. You do that. Now, maybe you have subconscious beliefs that make you sensitive or you've got triggers or traumas. Whatever it is, it's still all inside you. So to take somebody else personally makes no sense and to blame somebody else for the way you feel makes no sense. And that's why confident people don't do it. I mean, I hope it's obvious that all the shitty things you do and feel are directly related to a deep lack of self-confidence. Even if you can't really see the connection, what you can clearly see is that highly confident people don't feel or act this way. It's as simple as that. Confident people don't have eating disorders They're not violent unless it's a professional sport of some kind or they're protecting someone. They try their very best not to sabotage themselves and they're honest with themselves about their behavior. They refuse to eat shit from others. They will not chase people. They don't overshare or undershare. They keep a balance and respect. They don't blame anyone else for the way they feel, not even themselves. They don't manipulate. They're just direct and honest and go for what they want, all their cards showing. They never take things personally or accept other people taking them personally. So if you can see that confident people don't do any of the things that you do, then you have to come to the conclusion, well, it's a confidence problem. If I was highly confident, I too would stop this harmful behavior. But it goes beyond even the individual. And this is where we're going to get into my opinion and theories even more so here. We're going beyond just the psychology of self-confidence, all of the stuff I've said so far, you can find studies to back it up. But now we're going to go into 
a broader range where I'm really just winging it. And that is, low self-confidence is the cause of the greater societal issues. Unethical business practices. Think of all the rip-offs and scams. Think of all the emails you get from Nigerian princes. You know, think of, like, we just recently had a guy in Brojo trying to poach all the clients. Think of all the unethical things you've ever seen a business do. If you've ever heard of Viagogo, you know, ripping people off with concert tickets and stuff. Recently, the uh, the big flight companies, you know, as everything was shutting down with coronavirus, they started charging like 10 grand to go from New Zealand to Europe and the economy. You know, all this just really dodgy, unethical, shitty stuff. Now, why would someone do that? Because these businesses are just people. That's all it really is. You can't say like, you can't say like Qatar Airlines is unethical. It's like, no, no, there are people in Qatar Airlines. There are people in Qatar Airlines behaving unethically. You can't blame an airline company because that's just a piece of paper. So why are these people doing it? Because they're scared of losing money. Because they'd rather rip someone else off than suffer any consequences themselves. It's because they're happy to cause suffering in others if it fills their bank account. Is that the behavior of confident people? No. But look at Johnson & Johnson. I just read about this recently in the book Essentialism. I think this was in the 70s. You'll have to look this up. But uh, what did they have? It was like a milk powder or something. Uh, One of their products came out and it was like semi-poisonous. Some people were having uh, health reactions to it. Johnson & Johnson had a choice. They could either just ignore this and keep selling the product and make lots of money, or they could do a total recall. And that's what they did. And it cost them like over $100 million. And this is like back in the 70s. So that's like billions, you know, by today's numbers. They took their massive financial hit. And why? It's because the company has this value, uh, what do they call it? It's kind of like a mission statement. And at the top of that is clients first. So they stuck by their values and sacrificed money. That's ethical business practices. Not only did they stick by their own values, but they treated other people and cared about other people's well-being, the well-being of their clients, more than they cared about the profits of the company. Johnson & Johnson is still thriving today. I don't know if they're still ethical, but we can see that like business practices are really just people practices. So if a business is unethical, the people inside it are being unethical. They're either deliberately doing unethical things or they're going along with what their boss does or whatever and not speaking up so if they're deliberately doing it if they're doing harmful practices because of their needs you know their neediness that's low self-confidence and if they're following a boss who's telling them to do harmful practices because they're too scared to confront them that's low self-confidence so again you'd be hard put i think to find a business engaged in unethical practices that wasn't basically being run by people with low self-confidence. Needy, greedy, insecure people and their followers. And the opposite's also true. You find a business that engages in ethical practices even when really put to the test, even when it's really going to cost them. I fucking guarantee you will find confident people, at least in the leadership positions of that company. Think of Virgin. Johnson & Johnson, so on. You'll find people at the top who value themselves and act in a valuable way and don't behave in a needy, greedy way. And the whole company basically follows their example. And here's an even bigger claim. I think low self-confidence is the cause of war. Really, I do. Now, you'd have to unpack each and every war as that occurred, but First and foremost, what you see is a desperate scrambling for resources. That's one of the main causes of war, at least in ancient history it was. Who owns what and who gets to access to it? And I think you have low self-confidence on both sides. One side, you have the needy people trying to get the resources and not making the most of what they have. And sometimes that's legitimate, like they're genuinely starving or whatever. But on the other side, you have people unwilling to share. That's also a low self-confidence problem. People who have a scarcity mindset rather than an abundant one. People who are taking rather than giving. Those are, again, warning signs of low self-confidence. 
I mean, just look at like say World War Two. You know, look at the the forces that supported Hitler. Look at Hitler himself, his lieutenants, the other countries that were behind him. I mean, Japan had such a like an ego problem at the time that you know the glory of the emperor and all that, having to prove themselves by decimating Pearl Harbor. You have. Hitler himself just incensed with hatred and vitriol, followed by people who are still like rubbing their wounds from World War One and all pissed off and can't control their anger. And all the people who knew what was happening was wrong and didn't speak up and weren't willing to take a risk with their own lives to protect the lives of millions of others. I mean, you just see low self-confidence riddled throughout that whole thing. Now, it's pretty hard to say a whole country is confident or unconfident. It's just people are people, and they just gather together in groups and communities. But you can see some of the higher-functioning countries, Scandinavian countries, for example, are the least likely to go to war. You know, The ones that are behaving the most confidently as a country are the least likely to go to war. Whereas you get the ones who are behaving like stroppy little children, say like the United States over the last couple of decades, constantly involved in conflicts, you know, trying to steal oil or whatever they were doing. I don't know, I'm not going to make claims that I understand what's going on there, but let's say if you take Trump as a leader right now, classic example of low self-confidence, and then the behavior of the entire country following that leader, basically it's, it's surprising that there isn't a war yet with the amount of provocation and stuff coming out. But you can see that the way he's behaving is more likely to provoke a war than prevent one. I think ultimately cause a global warming is low self-confidence. People use too much and consume too much. Confident people are minimalists. They don't have that neediness and they don't fulfill their needs with instant gratification and consuming, purchasing and Doing alcohol and drugs and buying clothes and trying to impress each other with how much money they've got. You know, confident people don't do that. And I think it's fair to say that one of the main causes of of climate change, at least indirectly, is just the sheer production and everything that goes with it to feed the consumption. You know, everybody's just constantly buying shit they don't need and there are factories pumping out smoke and pumping oil into water and all sorts of stuff to provide for those needs. Each individual human, you know, there's enough room for all of us to just have a little plot of land that we just work and feed ourselves. I mean, it's never going to happen. But that's technically possible. But the reason it's never going to happen is because we don't have the confidence to back ourselves in such a way. Most people are reliant on other people to provide for those needs, and they can't help but consume more than they need. I mean... You look at a country like India, their biggest problem used to be starvation, now their biggest problem is obesity. India, you know, with all the slums and everything, with all the poverty, their biggest problem is over-consuming. You take down all the consumption, we've actually seen a brief glimpse of this with the whole coronavirus thing where everybody's not going into offices and using all that power and stuff anymore. They're not driving cars because it turns out you don't actually need to. Pretty much everyone can work from home unless they're a tradesman. I mean, you can see already pollution levels are lessening, from what I can tell. But even if that's not true, the point being is a lot of the destruction that we do is because we're unwilling to be minimalistic. We take up more space and consume more resources than we need to. A lot more than we need to. Fucking significantly more than we need to. It's amazing how little a human could get by on if they're very confident. If they don't need to fulfill their you know, inner torment with consumption. It's the classic philosopher living in a cardboard box. I mean, ultimately a human can survive on almost nothing. Just a bare bit of shelter, food and water. So anybody using or consuming more than that is probably doing so for reasons to satisfy confidence issues. The reason you buy new clothes is so that you'll look good so that people will give you approval. That's not confident. Right? Or the extra food you eat because you don't want to deal with your stress properly. That's not confident. 
the big house and the big car that you don't need and you barely ever use, but you just want to show your status, that's a confidence problem. And all of these things contribute to the destruction of the environment. You know, the Stoics and some other philosophers say that evil is a form of ignorance, that people only engage in harmful behaviors because they don't know better. Now, I'm not sure if that's strictly true. I've known some truly evil people in my time who thrive on causing harm, and they know exactly what they're doing, and that is their best option, at least in their view of the world and their value system. But I think it's safe to say that self-destructive behavior is a form of ignorance. You don't seem to realize that you can behave better. You're kind of losing the war on low self-confidence without realizing you can win that war but not knowing how to win that war. There are a small few people in the world who are so psychologically disordered and broken or brain damaged that I don't think that they can build their confidence. But I'm talking about a very, very small percentage, and if you have the mental capability to sit through this podcast, you're not one of them. You can rebuild your confidence. You can become a more confident person, or should I say, discover the more confident person who lives within you. I'm absolutely sure of that. Unless you're sitting in a psychiatric hospital right now, and the doctor has permanently hospitalized you because of how severely disordered you are, I say you've got a pretty good shot at building your confidence. But you've got you to start treating it for what it is. You know, all that stuff you do and all those problems you have in your life, They're all a distraction from the main problem, your low self-confidence. You cure that one, all the other ones go away. Your career is not your problem. The way your mum treats you is not your problem. Your inability to get a date is not your problem. Your binge eating is not your problem. They are all consequences or symptoms of the real problem, which is your low self-confidence. And you are in a war. If you're engaging in a lot of these shitty behaviors, you're losing that war. But you can win it. You gotta understand it's a cold war. You don't just go out and have a big roaring battle with cannons and cavalry and it's over. You you gotta keep fighting this war with you know, it's like spies and it's like playing chess almost. You know, I, I feel like the nice guy people pleaser in me, every day he's sitting there in a, in the cell that I've locked him up in, and he's plotting his escape. And I know it every day. If I take my eye off him, if I lessen the, the the kind of constant observation I've got going of him, he will sneak out and get up to mischief. He's got nothing else to do, right? He will try to get some instant gratification. He will try to get some approval. He will try to avoid some discomfort. He'll do whatever he can, whatever he can control, he'll try to control. So I'm in a constant battle with him. And I don't feel like I'm in a battle with myself. It's myself who's in a battle with him. You know, the true me is not him. He's simply a strategy that I learned to cope with pain when I was too young and immature to understand what was really going on. And now I can't get rid of him because he's deep in my programming. He cannot be erased. And maybe it's best that he's not, because if I've got no one to fight, then where's the purpose of my life? I kind of like having this enemy. At least I do now. He used to ruin my life, but now he's just someone I get to beat up every day. You've got to see low self-confidence as your enemy and strategize how you're going to attack it every day. And now I want to get into the practical guidance around this. The reason I've done like this podcast about how it's like a war is because if you if you approach it with that frame, like you wake up every day and you're like, now it's time for me to fight against my low self-confidence and become highly confident. And that's all that matters for you today. And that's all that matters for you any day. That's the only battle that you're ever in. That's the only problem you're ever solving. When you eat your breakfast and talk to your wife and go to work and go to the gym, all of these are just arenas in which that you battle against low self-confidence to become highly confident. Because it's really simple. It's not about happiness. It's about confidence. A truly meaningful, enjoyable God, I'm glad I'm me, life is built on self-confidence, not happiness, self-confidence. And a miserable life is one with low self-confidence. So what else is there to even care about? 
But you gotta you gotta stop being distracted by all the consequences and symptoms of low self confidence. Stop trying to put out all those fires and get down to the source. That being said, all those poor behaviors that you engage in, all those uncomfortable feelings that you have, that's where you can do the fight. Let's start by having a look at what builds, shall we say, low self confidence. You know how it gets stronger. Now, what it is you do that reduces your confidence. In other words, what lets the other team win. Now, these are just off the top of my head. I spent about five minutes making this list, and I probably left stuff off, but I'm sure you'll forgive me. Comparing yourself to others. These are in no particular order, by the way. So any time energy spent trying to decide if you are better or worse than others, all of that fuels low self-confidence. Okay, it doesn't matter even if you think of yourself as better, that kind of arrogance, you're still comparing yourself to others, and that comparison puts your confidence in the hands of other people, which means they can take it away from you. You weaken your position by comparing yourself to others. There is no benefit in it. And you'll tell yourself, but I can't help myself, I just do it. No, you notice yourself doing it, and then you keep doing it. So you can help yourself, because you can stop doing it. You can catch yourself and go, no, stop it. Measure something else instead. Measure how honest I've been today. Measure how courageous I am. Measure my progress against my goals. And change the measurement system consciously rather than just sitting there bathing in your comparison to other people. Sure, you might not be able to stop yourself doing it as an initial impulse. Like, oh man, he's so much more handsome than me. But then next moment you go, ah, that's low self-confidence. He's fighting against me right now. Time to fight back. Stop looking at that guy. Stop comparing myself to him. Go do something nice or whatever. Go do something I'll be proud of. Boom. You're free. You won the battle. There is no amount of comparing yourself to other people that will help your confidence, even if you come out better. They'll only make you arrogant and entitled, which sets you up for a big fall. Treating your body poorly. God, we are living in the age of bad health, really, I think. And the trouble is, it looks like the age of good health because of medical treatment and scientific advances in medicine. So nowadays, we can keep you alive for a very long time, even if you're in the very poorest of health. You can be, like, morbidly obese, riddled with cancer, and we can keep you alive for years. You know, I say we, I can't do shit, but doctors and stuff, you know. Treating your body poorly. It's like, imagine if you had a kid and you force-fed them poison. You'd have to say, I'm not a very good parent, and I obviously don't love my kid. Well, if you're force-feeding yourself food that's not good for you, or depriving yourself from enough nutrition to survive properly, or not exercising to keep your body functioning well, or not taking care of your injuries properly, you might as well be treating yourself like a bullying victim. You know, you're you're being mean to yourself, and all of that fuels low self-confidence. You do the opposite, which we'll talk about in a second. And you build your confidence. Not only can you consume poor food, you can consume poor mental junk as well. Are you watching crappy reality TV shows? Are you listening to negative, gossipy, whingy type people? Do you watch conspiracy theories on YouTube? Are you just filling your head with junk? Because all of that is influencing you. All of that is creating pathways in your brain and deciding what your beliefs are and your philosophy and how you view yourself. And it's all junk food. It's empty calories. You've got to view it just like you'd view eating crappy food. If you spend your day just binging on just bollocks on, on Facebook, then you might as well be just eating McDonald's for every meal. Right? It, it has the same effect on your brain as eating McDonald's does on your body. Binging on dopamine, and what I mean by this is doing kind of instant gratification activities like, I don't know, anything that doesn't deal with emotions properly. Masturbating to porn, drinking, alcohol, you know, using drugs, casual sex, or trying to flirt and get approval from people, people pleasing. Anything that you do to just get instant highs. There's a cost for feeling good right now, and that is the withdrawal symptoms later. It also sets up a system where you have to get your highs from something outside of yourself. Again, there's a subtle message there. I'm not good enough by myself. I'm not entertaining enough. I'm not 
pleasurable enough. I've got to go get that from somewhere else. And the fact that you do go and get it from something else confirms it in your brain. Like, I'm a loser. I'm somebody who has to masturbate to porn to feel good. You make it true. Instead of seeing what would it be like if you didn't masturbate for a year, would you still feel like shit, like the way you do now? Pretending to be someone you're not, that one really feeds low self-confidence. Because as soon as you're pretending, you're confirming that you're not good enough as you are. That really feeds the whole low self-confidence narrative. Pretending to be someone you're not doesn't necessarily mean you're putting on this whole persona like an actor. It just means like you pretend to be more energetic than you actually are. Or you pretend to be more easygoing than you actually feel. You pretend to be more interesting than you naturally are. So on. Avoiding your truths and fears. Not journaling, not thinking about yourself accurately. Not asking yourself, why do I do the things I do and... How should I take more responsibility for it? And what happened to me in my past that's, you know, coming up now that I need to deal with? If you're avoiding this kind of information, your low self-confidence gets to spin a different story about you, about how you're a loser and you're not good enough and blah, 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 rather than the truth, which is you have been damaged and harmed in certain ways and you react to that with harmful behaviors and you could change all that if you want to. And it's a long, hard process, but it's worth doing. Pretty much all people-pleasing and self-sacrifice, I mean, that is just fuel on the fire for low self-confidence. Every time you put someone else above yourself as more worthy than you, the message to yourself is clear. I'm less worthy than them. My truth is less worthy than their emotions. You know, when you don't confront someone because you don't want to upset them, you're saying their feeling happy is better than the thing I feel upset about. And if you do that all the time, then you're constantly ranking yourself as bottom of the pack. No wonder you don't like yourself. You're always the loser, in your opinion, and you do it with self-sacrifice. Doing what other people think is right without thinking for yourself. You know, like how I got into a communications degree at university, instead of going, why the fuck am I going to university? What do I really want to do? Now, I was lucky, because I found psychology there, but... Most people are right now in their life, they're in a job or a relationship with kids and everything, and they just kind of flowed down the river. They just did what everyone said you should do. They didn't even really think about it. They never stopped and go, what do I really want? Even if I have to break the rules of society, what's my ideal life? If you do what other people think is right, you're undermining what you think is right. In fact, if you're not even thinking about what you think is right, you're undermining even your ability to think. You're basically saying, I'm not even worth considering. My desires aren't even worth looking at. They aren't even worth a thought. You're wondering where your sense of low worth comes from. It's you doing it to yourself. You reject yourself. Punishing yourself for failure. That's a classic one to build low self-confidence. Because failure is just learning. Why would you punish yourself for learning? At least you're trying something. What sense is there? And saying, huh, I didn't win on this go, so therefore I'm a bad person, and I deserve a punishment. Why do you deserve a punishment? It doesn't even make sense. You think you were born knowing how to do stuff? You didn't know how to do shit when you were born. You had to learn through failure. Do you know how many times you failed to stand up before you stood for the first time? Do you know how many times you failed to say mama before you said it? Hundreds? Thousands? You had no shame back then. Why do you have shame about it now? Failure just means you're making progress. It means you went further than you're capable of going, usually. So keep doing that. Success is built on failure. Taking rejection personally, as we talked about, that's another classic one to build low self-confidence. Because it's arrogant. You're saying, I cause the way other people feel. No, you fucking don't. You're not that important. (laughs) You're not that special. Calm down. You don't cause shit. You're a minute, tiny blip in their life everything else combined is what causes the way they feel. If someone doesn't like you, that was basically predetermined before they even met you. They already had all their preferences and their choices and what they like and don't like and their conditioning and their programming and their genetics and their predispositions and their personality. All of that was there before you. And then you're saying, I made them not like me? No. You didn't have anything to do with it. You just showed up and they made a choice. It couldn't have gone any other way. It's arrogant to think that a rejection is about you personally. 
When it comes to your career, if you're working out of fear rather than purpose, that feeds low self-confidence. So if you're doing a job just for the money because it's safe and easy, that kind of thing, what you're saying to yourself is what I actually want to do doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as much as feeling secure. So you're placing comfort, a weak, pathetic reward, over your true desires and your mission in life. You only get to live once, and you're sacrificing that just so that you can feel like you have some sort of security, which you don't even have, because you can be fired at any time. Surrounding yourself with other unconfident people, that's a great way to fuck up your confidence. Fantastic. Works really well. We are ultimately influenced every second by everything that's happening. We can't help it. We can't stop it. So if you're surrounded by negative, pessimistic, low self-confident people who whinge and whine and complain and gossip and backstab all the time, you're going to become like them. doesn't matter how strong your will is. It's just like if you eat heaps of crappy food, you can't end up being healthy from it. You just don't have that level of control. If you surround yourself with go-getters who are making the most of their life and take good care of themselves and are genuine and compassionate, you're going to become more like them too. Just if you are really low self-confident, try not to drain them. And finally, the last one I had on my list is promises and virtue signaling. Saying you're going to be a better person but not actually doing it. There's a kind of dopamine rush we get from making promises or looking good in the eyes of other people. And it's so strong and so rewarding that we kind of feel like there's no point in following through. Like, we've already, we're already full. So if I go and tell people, you know, I believe in this wonderful thing, and everyone's like, oh, you're so good for believing it, here's a thumbs up on Facebook, you're like, you know what, I don't actually have to follow through on that. I already feel pretty good about it. So virtue signaling, pretending you're better than you are, or promising to be better than you are, actually kills your confidence and makes you less likely to improve your behavior. So that's a list off the top of my head as to how it is that you make yourself less confident, how it is that the other team wins the war, the kind of weapons it uses against you. But you've also got to understand its weaknesses. See, low self-confidence can be attacked, it can be hurt, it can even sometimes be destroyed. You have tools available to you to build your self-confidence. And to beat the enemy of low self-confidence. And you can do it any time, any day. The list I'm about to read you. Now, if you have low self-confidence, you're going to come up with excuses as to why you can't do any of the things I'm about to say. What I want you to do is just understand that those excuses are weapons of low self-confidence. They aren't real. They're just your low self-confidence trying to trick you into believing that you can't build your confidence. Okay, it's not real. There is nothing in the list that I'm about to give you that you cannot do. Like I said, this is a cold war. Low self-confidence doesn't fight out in the open or all obvious like. It fights in the shadows. It does sneaky things to you. And one of the sneaky things it does is try to convince you that you are not capable of doing the things that will defeat it. So let's go through them. It's actually a pretty short list, really. Regular exercise and nutritious food. Your body and the way you feel is essentially all about chemicals. Chemicals in equals chemicals in. So whatever it is that you eat and however it is that you move your body affects how you feel about yourself. It actually has such a huge effect that if I was going to recommend nothing else for building confidence, I'd say take care of your body. Okay, Your brain is not some separate entity. It is an organ inside your body, and if your body is functioning well on good fuel, your brain will be functioning as well as it can. Okay. So I'd say first and foremost, if you're just trying to wrap your head around how do I get more confident, how do I win this war, start exercising every day and eating nutritious food. Okay, it's not that complicated. Sure, the health industry makes it look complicated sometimes, but really, do some push it. Do some push-ups, do some squats, do a bit of running, eat fruits and nuts and vegetables, lean meat, good carbohydrates. It's really not that hard, okay? If you want to get into the fancy stuff, you can, but don't make it too complicated. Journaling. Now, 
Low self-confidence thrives on lack of information. So the more accurate you are measuring yourself and tracking what's going on, the more likely you are to be confident. Low self-confident people avoid self-evaluation in an accurate way. They like being critical to themselves, but they don't like being accurate. They always say, I'm a loser, but I'm a loser isn't a measurement. How well did you do that thing? How honest were you? How brave have you been today? Those are measurements. Those are things where you can be critical with yourself. You go, I feel like a loser today. Well, I also was a coward this morning, so that's probably why I feel like a loser. That's a solvable problem. Stop being a coward. Go do something you're afraid of, and the feeling of being a loser goes away with it. Sit down every single day, at least 10 minutes, and just write down an observation of yourself. How did I behave today? Why did I behave that way? Why do I think I behave that way? What did I do today that served me well? What did I do today that probably didn't? How did I fight against low self-confidence today? And how did I win or lose that war? This kind of journaling is going to give you all the information you'll ever need, really. If that doesn't give you all the information you need, then get yourself a coach. A coach, somebody who's on your team, a mentor, a therapist, I don't care who, as long as their goal is your self-confidence building. Now, they can't do the work for you, but you need sometimes to have an outside perspective. Somebody can look at you and go, you know what, you're not quite the victim you think you are. You're actually doing this to yourself, and here's how you do it. That information is so valuable. I have never had a coach really be wrong about me. I mean, I've chosen my coaches carefully, but whenever they call out what I'm doing, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I'm fucking miserable right now. And it's always because of what I'm doing. It's nothing to do with what's happened to me. Reading, philosophy books, nonfiction, getting into books written by people who are smarter than you and more confident than you, and reading about how they did that. Read all the great philosophies. Stoicism, Kant, Taoism. Get into the different views of the world and the the cosmic perspectives that some people have developed that brought them a great sense of peace and confidence in their lives. Maybe they see something differently the way you do it. Surround yourself with other confident people and role models. Ditch your weak-ass friends and your whining family. And I don't mean... You never get to see them again, but really reduce the amount of time that negative people influence you and try to replace them with people whom you admire, people who clearly are self-confident, people who are everything you want to be. Spend time with them, learn from them, give to them, and then allow them to give back to you. Disciplined routines. Habits are a great way to to beat back low self-confidence. You know, just getting up, same time, following processes, disciplining yourself, showing yourself that you can control your behavior. Do the Brojo morning routine course and get used to just following a pattern that you designed that gets you started in the right frame of mind every day. You know, ultimately, beating back low self-confidence is a kind of minute-by-minute battle. The more disciplined you are, the more you engage in helpful habits, the less room there is for low self-confidence to intervene. I like to kind of set up a plan and then follow my plan rather than winging it every day. I set up a plan where low self-confidence really doesn't have room to play. You know, I'm just following my own instructions that I designed to give me the best possible quality of life. And along this, try and set yourself up with lots of small wins and reasonable goals. One thing fear and low self-confidence will do to you is ask you to achieve massive impossible goals. And I'll even tell you that they're reasonable. But if they're reasonable, you'd be doing them. So if you're not doing them, they're not reasonable. Lots of small wins. That's why I like having a cold shower in the morning. It's a small task, but every time I do it, I'm like, huh, that was courageous. And it's always courageous every time, because cold showers always suck. Getting the dishes done and making sure the kitchen's clean after you've finished your breakfast. You know, getting to work early, preparing for the day. Only checking your emails twice a day instead of every 10 minutes. These are little wins, reasonable goals that you can set up 
that just show you that you can control your behavior and you can accomplish things if you set your mind to it. You do have the power. It's important that you avoid getting high. Getting high takes you backwards, not forwards. By getting high, I don't just mean drugs. I mean masturbating to porn. I mean seeking approval from other people. I mean binging on Netflix. All the things you do to just kind of get an instant feeling of goodness rather than earning a long-term satisfaction. You'd be amazed at how helpful it is just to deprive yourself of highs. And if you can't do that, at least make sure you earn them. Like you're not allowed to smoke weed unless you've started your new business task for the day and you've already accomplished X amount. You know, you can't seek approval from others until after you've impressed yourself without anybody else knowing, and so on. But if you can, just avoid getting high altogether because it's a backward step. Standing up for your beliefs, this is a huge one for building confidence, where you back yourself in the face of adversity. Disagree with others, not just to be provocative and to be noticed, but because you would rather be in the right than be popular. Allow yourself to say, no, I disagree with that, or yes, I support that, even if other people are going to go, what? That's lame. You know, let them judge you. Let them dislike you, just to show yourself that you've got your own back. Because if you don't have your own back, how can you like yourself? Who would like somebody who wouldn't stand up for them? Alongside that, fight for a worthwhile cause. This doesn't mean getting into the comments section of YouTube and bitching someone out with a pseudonym. This means like finding something you really want to fix in the world and actually getting uncomfortable and getting your hands dirty about it. I mean, this is what I do with fighting against low self-confidence. That's the battle I want to fight. What's yours? What's the thing you want to fight against? What's the evil in the world that you want to correct? What are you doing about it? Are you sitting online and bitching people out? Or are you getting out there and getting into uncomfortable situations and leading from the front? Are you giving yourself something to be proud of? Because if you're not, then you're not going to be proud of yourself. It's kind of simple, right? Lead by example. Don't tell people how to live. And don't complain about how other people live. Show them how to live. Do it. Marcus Aurelius says, Let's no longer argue about what it means to be a good man. Just be one. Right. Try and spend a month without telling other people how they should live and just show them instead. Don't even point out that you're showing them. Just lead and see if other people follow. And if you can't do it, then don't criticize the way other people live. You've got to discipline yourself before you start throwing rocks at other people. And I think one of the most important things is avoid approval-seeking behaviors. Make a big list of all the things you do just to get a pat on the back from other people. Just so that other people will think you're a good person. That other people will be attracted to you. Whatever it is you do just to get that approval from other people, just stop it. Stop it right now. Stop helping people without being asked. Stop giving advice. Stop trying to make people laugh. Stop trying to cheer people up. Stop trying to calm them down. Stop trying to impress your boss with your achievements and overworking. And all the other things you do just to get approval. Stop it. Because every time you do that, you're saying, I'm not good enough on my own. I need someone else to validate me. And it's a pretty painful message to give yourself. Last but not least, I'm going to say the same thing I always say. Low self-confidence is biggest weakness, honesty. Honesty is the pathway to confidence. When you hide, you create shame. Shamelessness is your greatest defense against low self-confidence. Low self-confidence wants you to hide who you are, wants you to hide your thoughts and your beliefs and your opinions and your feelings and your desires and your preferences. It wants you to hide all those things because it thinks they're not worthy of being shared. If you share them, you make them worthy. It's by default. If it's shared, it must be worthy to be shared. The more you do that, the more worthy you'll feel. You won't feel it right away. That's the difficult bit. The first time you're shameless, you're like, oh my god, I feel awful. And you think I should stop. So like, no, 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 you've got to do it like a hundred times with everything. Think of, like, if you're in a low self-confidence place, here's what I'd say. Try being fully honest for an entire year. An entire year, one year out of your life. Try to live an entire year with no secrets, no shame, 
No hiding who you are. No pretending to be something you're not. No sort of like blending into the background. But also not trying to stand out. Just you being you, raw, unfiltered, unmoderated for an entire year. I'd be very, very surprised if you actually did that and weren't confident at the end of that year. Thank you so much for listening. Get in touch, of course, if you want further support with this, dan at brojo.org. And I hope you guys have a great week. Cheers. (laughs) 